Hello students. Today we are going to learn about the chapter motion and measurement of distance. Dear students, in our daily lives we travel from one place to another. The mode of transport we use depends on the distance we need to cover, isn't it? We can either walk or bicycle to the nearby park. We can board a train or take a flight to reach from one city to another. Present day modes of transport are very comfortable and fast. These modes of transport were however not available in ancient times. It took many years for man to develop the modern means of transport. We choose the mode of transport depending on the distance we have to travel. How do we find the distance between two places? Measurement is used to find the distance between places. The word measurement is derived from the Greek word metron, which means a limited proportion. We need measurement in our day-to-day -day life. The milkman measures the volume of the milk that he gives us. We measure the body temperature using a thermometer when we have a fever. Measurement is required to know the distance and time required to reach school. A quantity that can be measured and expressed in numbers is called a physical quantity. Length, mass, time, temperature are some examples of physical quantities. The ancient methods of measurement were not accurate as the length of the arm, foot and hand span varied from one person to another person. Over a period of time, the ancient methods of measurement were replaced by standard units which are accepted by people throughout the world. Measurement means the comparison of an unknown quantity with some known fixed quantity of the same kind. The known quantity is called a unit. Measurement is expressed in two parts. For example, if the length of a room is 50 meters, then 50 is the number and meters is the unit of measurement. The SI unit for measuring length is meter, for measuring mass is kilogram, for measuring time is seconds and for measuring temperature is Kelvin. Length is the distance between any two points. The distance between two ends of an object is the length of that object. The distance between two far-off places such as Delhi and Lucknow is the distance between these two cities. A ruler, a meter scale and a measuring tape are instruments that can be used to measure length. A ruler or meter scale can be used to measure the length along a straight line. A measuring tape is used to measure the circumference or thickness of a tree trunk and not a meter scale or a ruler as they cannot bend. Now let's learn about the types of motion. The motion of an object can be in a straight path like in the car or it can be in a random path like the birds in the sky and the leaves falling from a tree. The pattern of movement of different objects is different. Let us understand the different types of motion. 
An object is said to be translatory motion if it moves as a whole and all the parts cover the same distance in the same interval of time. There are two types of translatory motion. Number one is rectilinear motion and number two is curvilinear motion. A translatory motion where an object moves along a straight path is called rectilinear motion. Some examples of rectilinear motion are a person bowling along a straight track, an apple falling down from a tree, an army parade along a straight line, etc. Let's learn about the curvilinear motion. A translatory motion in which the object as a whole moves along a curved path is called curvilinear motion. Some examples of curvilinear motion are a car moving along a curved road, the motion of a basketball into the basket, motion of a roller coaster, etc. When a body moves in a circular manner so that its distance from a fixed point remains same, then the motion is called a circular motion. Some examples of circular motion are the movement of the blades of a fan, the hands of a clock, a top moving on the ground, the movement of a potter's wheel. The motion that repeats itself at regular intervals of time is called a periodic motion. Some examples of periodic motion are the movement of a pendulum of a clock, the movement of a needle in a sieving machine, the motion of a swing. Now let's learn about the objects showing more than one type of motion. At a given point of time, an object can show more than one type of motion. For example, the movement of a drill machine shows both rotatory motion and translatory motion. The motion of a car on a road can be both rectilinear as well as curvilinear. The motion of the wheels of a car are in circular motion as well as rectilinear motion. Dear students, here we have discussed about all the concepts which are there in the chapter Motion and Measurement of Distance. Thank you. Hello students. Today we are going to learn about the chapter Grouping Materials. Dear students, we group objects on the basis of certain similarities and dissimilarities in their properties. This could be based on size, color, shape, use or any other quality. This type of grouping in which similar objects are placed together is known as classification. Organizing or grouping things together makes our life simpler. It is easy to find things when they are properly arranged. Thus, classification of objects helps us in the following ways. It helps in identification. It helps in sorting of objects. It helps in locating things. It makes the study of different objects easy and more meaningful. It helps to understand similarities and dissimilarities among the objects. Now let's learn about the properties of materials. We know that a material is anything made of matter. Matter exists in three states namely solid state, liquid state and gaseous state. 
object such as chair table book and utensils are solids substances such as water milk and petrol are liquids the air inside a balloon or a bicycle tire is in gaseous state all solids have a definite shape and volume the particles of a solid object are closely packed now let's learn about the second property that is texture do a piece of wood and a piece of paper feel the same to touch or appear to be the same the texture is different for different objects or surfaces wood has an uneven and bumpy surface while paper has a plain and even surface we say that wood is rough and paper is smooth similarly a rock is rough while a glass is smooth thus we can classify different materials by their texture the outer surface of a piece of iron may appear reddish brown but if the same piece is cut the inside of the piece will look shiny some metals such as iron react with air and moisture which results in their rough appearance however freshly cut piece of metals always have a smooth and shiny surface the shine and luster of metal such as gold silver brass and bronze make them ideal for making ornaments and decorative articles some materials such as rubber and wood are dull and lack luster can you compress a stone using only your hands no how about a piece of sponge yes you can easily compress it isn't it some materials such as iron wood and stone are very hard whereas materials like cotton sponge and wax are soft the properties of softness and hardness can be used to group different materials together dear students have you ever made lemonade at home to make lemonade you take a glass of water you add sugar salt and lemon juice in it you stir it with a spoon and your lemonade is ready after the lemonade is made can you see the sugar or salt in it no the sugar and salt disappear when you add them to water in other words sugar and salt dissolve in water the substances which disappear or dissolve completely in water are called soluble substances some substances such as glass or sand do not dissolve in water such substances are known as insoluble substances remember how lemon juice is dissolved in water to make lemonade similarly liquids such as vinegar glycerin and honey also dissolve in water when two liquids mix with each other or dissolve each other they are known as miscible liquids there are other liquids such as oil petrol and kerosene which do not dissolve in water they form a layer on the surface of water the liquids which do not mix with each other are known as immiscible liquids now let's learn about the concept transparency 
we use glass to make window panes we can see through materials such as glass and water these materials allow light to pass through them thus allowing us to see through such materials are known as transparent materials the materials which do not allow light to pass through them are known as opaque substances wood cardboard and metals are opaque substances we use the tracing paper as it allows us to see the design through it tracing paper allows a little light to pass through thus we can partially see through the tracing paper if we hold the tracing paper in front of our eyes the things beyond the paper appear fuzzy and blurred such substances which allow some light to pass through them are known as translucent substances thus we can classify various materials as transparent translucent or opaque now let's learn about the floating and sinking concept when a piece of wood is placed in water it floats this is due to the difference in the densities of the wood and water when two substances such as a solid and a liquid or a liquid and a liquid are put together the less dense substance floats above the denser one wax and cork float in water because they are less dense than water iron and gold sink in water because they are denser than water a substance will only float if its density is less than that of the surrounding liquid it will sink if its density is greater than that of the surrounding liquid hello students today we are going to learn about the chapter fiber to fabric let's learn about the history of clothing material the wearing of clothing is exclusively a human characteristic and is a feature of most human societies though it is not known exactly when various people began wearing clothes in prehistoric times the cave men used leaves and barks of trees or skins of animals to cover their body then came the discovery of natural fibers like cotton silk and wool dear students we see different kinds of cloth materials or fabrics most are made from cotton and some are made from silk or wool and some others are made of synthetic materials clothes bags bed bed sheets towels curtains carpets are made up of a variety of fabrics touch and fill all the different types of fabric you come across you will notice that each fabric feels different why is this a fabric may seem like a continuous piece however if you look closely it looks like a criss cross mesh made up of thin strands or threads these threads are known as yarns the fibers of some fabrics are obtained from different sources such as plants animals and some artificial sources hence they are they can be classified mainly as natural and synthetic fibers based on their origin let's learn about the natural fibers 
The fibers that are obtained from natural sources are called natural fibers. These are either obtained from plants or from animals. A few examples of natural fibers are cotton, jute, hemp, silk and wool. Cotton, jute and hemp are obtained from plants and are known as plant fibers. Silk and wool are obtained from animals such as silkworms and sheep respectively. Hence, they are known as animal fibers. Now let's learn about the synthetic fibers. Synthetic fibers are also known as artificial or man-made fibers. Natural fibers are chemically improved to form synthetic fibers. Many synthetic fibers such as nylon, rayon, acrylic and polyester are used for a variety of applications. Synthetic fibers are very strong and elastic. They have properties like heat resistance, resistance to most chemicals, low moisture absorbency and flame resistance which make them more useful. Hence, they are used to make a variety of fabrics. Synthetic fibers can be blended with cotton or wool to make clothes. Cotton and jute are the most common plant fibers which are widely used in our country. Commercially, cotton is the most important textile fiber spun into yarn and woven into clothes. Cotton wool is obtained from the fruits of the cotton plant. The cotton plant is a shrub which is grown in fields. The cotton plant needs black fertile soil with good moisture capacity. It grows well in warm climates. In India, cotton is mainly grown in the state of Maharashtra, Gujarat and Andhra Pradesh. Cotton is collected from the ripe fruits of the cotton plant. The fruits of the cotton plant are known as cotton balls. The process of collecting cotton from the balls by hand is known as picking. Dear students, have you seen gunny sacks used to carry large amounts of grains? They are made up of a thick coarse woven fabric. This fabric is usually made up of jute fibers. Jute is the second most important plant fiber after cotton. Not only because of its white cultivation but also for its uses. Jute plant grows well in the region with high temperatures and heavy rainfall. In India, jute is mainly grown in the states of West Bengal, Bihar and Assam. The processing of wool involves the following four steps. Number one, shearing. This process includes the removal of wool from the sheep's skin. Number two, grading. This is the process in which fleece is separated from the damaged wool. Number three, Carding. After the wool has been washed and dried, it is passed through the rollers. Number four, spinning. Fibers are gathered together and drawn into a long rope and then twisted to make yarn. Let's learn something about silk. Silk fabric is smooth and shiny. It became a popular luxury fiber because of its luster and texture. A silk fiber is strong and shiny. It can be blended with other fibers such as cotton or wool to create fabrics with different textures. 
the process of creating yarn from fibers is known as spinning. While knitting, a single yarn is looped repeatedly using two needles to make a fabric. Every time a new loop is created, the length of its fabric increases. If you pull the loose end of yarn from a knitted fabric, the entire fabric is unraveled. Sweaters, caps, scarves and socks are some clothing items that are made by knitting. Knitting can be done manually or on machines. Fibers such as cotton and wool are commonly knitted into fabrics. The machines used for weaving are known as looms. The looms which are operated manually are known as hand looms. Large looms are used in industries which are operated by electricity. They are known as power looms. All types of fibers, whether natural or synthetic, can be woven into a fabric using the technique of weaving. Hello students. Today, we are going to learn about the chapter separation of substances. Dear students, in our day-to-day -day life, we come across a variety of mixtures of materials. Some mixtures can be easily separated while others are difficult to separate. We can easily separate vegetables in a salad, but it is impossible to separate them from a vegetable soup, isn't it? Children, materials which contain two or more substances in any proportion is known as a mixture. A mixture is a combination of two or more pure substances. A pure substance is made of only one kind of particles. Salt is an example of pure substance. All the particles which make up salt are exactly alike. Now, let's see about the components of a mixture. The substances which combine to form a mixture are known as components of a mixture. The components of a mixture retain their original properties. Salt retains its salty taste even when it is mixed with water. Some mixtures have a uniform composition. We cannot see the two components separately. Such mixtures are known as homogeneous mixtures. Salt, sugar, milk are some substances which form homogeneous mixtures with water. Some mixtures do not have a uniform composition. We can see the components of the mixture separately. Such mixtures are known as heterogeneous mixtures. Soil, mud, oil are some substances which form heterogeneous mixtures with water. As we are learning separating of substances, now there is a question why there is a need for separating mixtures. Separation of mixtures into their constituents is often necessary for several reasons. Number one, to remove undesirable components. Number two, to separate many useful components. 
Have you ever seen stones being separated from rice? Small stones present in rice can be harmful for our body. It is hence necessary to remove them before cooking the rice. We make butter by churning curd or milk. After churning, the solid component is separated as butter and the liquid component is separated as buttermilk. Both butter and buttermilk are used for consumption. The process of churning separates these useful components. Dear students, there are many different methods which can be used to separate mixtures. The choice of method of separation depends upon the components of a mixture. Some methods of separation are suitable for separating mixtures with only solid components. Some other methods are useful for separating mixtures with solid and liquid components. Let's learn about these various methods for separating substances in detail. Method number one, hand picking. Hand picking is a basic method for separation of a mixture with solid components. It involves simply picking out substances by hand and separating them from others. Hand picking is commonly used for separating the good grains from the waste and impurities. The substances being picked out may be impurities which are to be thrown away. It could also be used to separate two useful components such as a mixture of green grapes and black grapes. However, hand picking is not preferred if the quantity of the mixture to be separated is too large. Hand picking can only be used if the impurities are visible and large enough to be picked out. Method number two, threshing. Grains such as rice and wheat are grown in fields. The harvested stems or stalks of these plants are dried in the sun. Each stalk contains many grains attached to it. The seeds or grains are separated from the stalk of the plants by a method known as threshing. The dry stalks of the crop are beaten to shake off the dried grains. The stalks can be beaten against a rock or hard surface by hand. And this is known as manual threshing. Threshing can also be done by crushing the harvested crop using bullocks. But nowadays, machines are used to thresh large quantities of grain. Method number three, it is winnowing. The method for, of separating heavier and lighter components of a mixture by wind or blowing air is called winnowing. You may have seen a farmer standing on a height dropping grain slowly on the ground. Why does he do that? After threshing, the farmer gets a mixture of grains husk and small pieces of leaves and stalk. These impurities are collectively known as chaff. Even though the large stalks can be separated from the grains by threshing, the husk is much lighter than the grain. So, when the grains are gently dropped to the ground, only the grain is collected, while the husk blows away. The method of separating chaff from the grains by blowing air is known as winnowing.
Next method is sieving. When the components of a mixture are of different sizes, a sieve can be used to separate them. A sieve is a shallow vessel that has small holes at its bottom. The size of the holes in the sieve depends on the size of the components to be separated. The method of separating the components of a mixture that are of different sizes by using a sieve is called sieving. Next part of this chapter we will see in the next audio. Thank you.